Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited you're joining me today. I've got a great interview for you, and this is the first time we're doing something like this. I am dipping in to our archives to share a best of episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. And this is not just any old best of. This is the most downloaded episode interview of all time in nearly three years of hosting the Talent Development Hot Seat. Today, I'm sharing my interview with you with my friend Lucretia Hall from Software One. And this is all about how to build a high-performing L&D team. This interview was originally published back on May 7th of 2019, so it's been about a year and a half, a little bit more, and it continues to go up in downloads and listens and has been listened to by far more than any other episode. And I think it's because a lot of people out there resonate with Lucretia's message, what she has done with her team, and she has continued on. She's still at Software One as I record this and has done some really cool things there. And in this episode, we talked about Lucretia's background on building a coalition of opinion, an example um, of a lot of how people can get value from the approach they take, um, her approach to building high-performing L&D teams, of course, the steps she took to ensure that everybody's aligned from the very beginning of the team she built, and examples of how to bring people together, um, and a lot of other great value in this episode. I know if you haven't listened to it, you're going to get value from it. If you haven't listened to it in a while, you'll probably still get value from it, uh, so make sure you stay tuned. I also want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need your leaders to lead, your sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. Uh, Advantage has great learning solutions in all areas of learning, like leadership development, business acumen, and sales training. And of course, there are virtual solutions for everything available. Uh, you can find out more about this podcast and about Advantage Performance Group by going to talentdevelopmenthotseat.com, and you can click on some of the information on that website. It is all there. A lot of really cool stuff. Um, all right. So without further ado, here is my best of interview interview with Lucretia Hall. Enjoy. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am so grateful that you are joining me today for an interview with Lucretia Hall. And Lucretia is the Director of Learning and Development for North America at Software One, a $7 billion platform, services, and technology company helping businesses achieve their dreams through technology solutions and migration to the cloud. Lucretia lives in Santa Cruz with her husband and son. And I am excited to have her on today to talk about some things she's been working on and some of her passions and focus, especially around coaching and building high-performing L&D teams through strategy. So, Lucretia, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, great to have you on. Of course, we met through our mutual connection, Jill Cohn, who was on this podcast a while back. And uh, you were just saying that the two of you are friends and keep in touch. And I think that's great because one of the things that I've learned in in doing this, well, really for my own success over time, but interviewing a lot of L&D leaders, talent development leaders, that having a network and other people you know within the industry to call on when you have questions, issues, goals, whatever it is, can be so valuable. Have you found that to be really useful for you as well? Absolutely. (laughs) My former colleagues from from Intuit and the other places that I've worked, that it's just invaluable to build a relationship with them and you know keep it going, keep checking in with them, asking for advice and and mentorship, and you know we trade so much and we help each other, and it just helps us go so much faster when we work together in that way. Excellent, yeah, and that's kind of what this podcast is all about too. Is just you know creating a platform for people to be able to share knowledge and learn from each other. So uh, before we get into some of that, I'd love to go back and share some of your background. And maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit more about how you got to where you are today. Oh, absolutely. Well, (laughs) I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I come from a family of kind of social workers, teachers, professors, builders. And um, even as a little kid, though, I thought, I don't think I can teach fourth graders. So it wasn't until (laughs) it wasn't until I was um, working that I discovered L&D. Um, I started out actually as a salesperson and I was doing uh, catering sales and worked in this beautiful facility. And uh, I would work really closely with businesses and they would bring their events to me. And they had L&D departments and they were doing this teaching and facilitation. And so that's how I discovered it. And I started out at uh, Micron Technology, uh, which is in Boise, Idaho. And really worked my way up through experience. I had some amazing mentors at that company. And so um, began facilitation and, and doing a leader-teacher network, setting that up at, at Micron. And then I went to the university space for a very short time, but had some good experiences there. And then I jumped to Intuit. And Intuit is, is really where I, I, I sort of learned the craft um, really deeply. They provided amazing training to the L&D department. Uh, And I had some incredible mentors there, Jill, Brooks Fisher, just so many people that were willing to to teach me and to help me grow. And then I I played in the consulting space for just a a moment too when I had my son. Uh, And then I took my position at uh, at Software One. And I I often joke with my vice president that uh, I went to medical school at Intuit, but now I get to actually practice the the trade. That's so cool. even going from like a manager to director role, um, just re- it just grew me so much. And and Software One is a place 
a reason that people love working there is that they hire smart people and they let you do your job. So they really, you know, just really push you to think of yourself as, as a business owner and to own uh, whatever your role or your department or whatever you're, you're working in. Uh, and so I've just had much more experiential at Software One and, and people at Software One too. The, the other cultural thing that we're really well known for is, is that people really genuinely help each other and love each other and take care of each other. So it's a, it's a great place to be at this point. That's great. You're really selling the culture right now. If you're hiring. We love <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> but I, I want to come back to a few things you said. First of all, uh, you said, you know, you don't want to teach fourth graders. And uh, I can definitely relate to that. We both have kids around the same age. <laughs> we talked about that. And I love teaching my children. But for whatever reason, I have no problem getting up in front of a room of adults and facilitating a workshop. But the few times I've done it in front of kids, you know, when I volunteer for junior achievement or something like that, I get so nervous. I feel like they look right through you. Like there's just, uh, you know, there's no hiding anything in front of it. Not that I'm trying to hide anything. I, I like to think of myself as very authentic. <laughs> it's just a different experience. Maybe that was it. Intimidating, right? So uh, I have much, much respect and admiration for all of my friends who are teachers out there uh, who do get up in front of those kids every day. Agreed. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. So I wanted to ask you about your sales experience. We've had many, uh, quite a few people on who got their start in sales before moving to learning and development. What have you drawn from that experience? What was valuable for that that you, you still might use today? Easy answer. It's the focus on the customer and the, the customer saying what they want and need and really connecting to thought and feeling to their past experiences, to their, you know, their beliefs, their network and mining all of that so you can figure out how to make an experience that's, that's truly great for them. Yeah. And when you say focus on the customer, I 100% agree with you. Um, how does that translate to what you're doing today? It's everything. It's the foundation of, of the work itself. Uh, when, when I started at Software One, they had a lot of data. This was about two and a half years ago. And there was no... Um, you know, we, we built L&D at Software One in North America. And... Uh, the one thing that they were able to provide kind of in droves, and I think that a lot of companies have, is, is a lot of data. So we had survey results, you know, from years and years of surveys. We had tons of notes from, you know, our executive team getting together and, and talking about what they wanted to see for all of our people. And then the very first thing we did was we went and interviewed customers. So we went out, of course, and, and interviewed our, our obvious stakeholders. You know, our vice president of North America, 
interviewed a bunch of market leaders, you know, in our business, we are a sales first company. So the market leaders, um, market directors across the region have teams of people that report to them. And then they have these wide functional teams, you know, they're inside sales people, they're technical BDMs, our technical solutions team, they have all this huge span of people. Uh, and so we found, you know, individuals throughout all those different groups and interviewed them and talked to them about what are your problems today and what are you experiencing and what would you like to see happen? What would be, you know, really meaningful for you? And when we brought all that data together and culled it and, and found the themes, you know, then we went back to them again and said, does this sound right? And to our VP, this is what people are saying, and here's how it's the same or different than what you're thinking and seeing. Uh, and so we, we built kind of this coalition of opinion about what we wanted to, to create for the organization, at least for the next couple of years. <laughs> it's always changing. But, you know, we not only we connected with the customer, we, we made sure that our key stakeholders were getting what they, they wanted, and we, we built it was the beginning of the change. It was really the first step in our change management process that we we built this kind of agreed upon opinion about where people were today and where they needed to be in the future. Oh, really cool. So I'm thinking right now that, uh, like you said, a lot of companies are sitting on a lot of data and companies have been using employee surveys and even customer surveys for years. But I feel like a lot of companies, they send those out, but then they don't really do anything with the data because they don't really quite know how to leverage that. So you're saying you actually took action on that by looking at, okay, what exactly do our customers want? How can we change our programs or change what we're offering? So what's an example of something that... Because I, I want to dig into this. I think it's something that where a lot of people can get value from. What's an example of something sure. where you went and made a change based on that that survey data? Well, we we really built our whole strategy based on the data that we had, you know, qualitative and quantitative. And what we said was, based on all of this, we think we have five competencies. Of course, you know, I think Center for Creative Leadership publishes something like 27 leadership competencies. We can't teach 27 <laughs> different, you know, build and create and manage 27 workshops. So we had to narrow and we narrowed to five. And we said, you know, we think these five things, these five competencies are um, what people most need right now, what they need to grow into the most. So an example is we said, we need our people to be able to build high-performing teams, um, whether people report to them or it's a functional relationship. And a lot of them were, we're a really flat organization. So we built a workshop around building high-performing teams. And we used um, a lot of Patrick Lencioni's work, a lot of Goldman's work, Marshall Rosenberg. So we used all these different people to inform the workshop that we built. And then we also used it to inform a lot of the coaching and the intact teamwork that we do also. So we have sort of this foundation of really belief and content that we try and spread out through everything that we touch. That is great. So you're you're responding to what people are actually asking for, what they need, what the customers want, and then building programs based on that. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned high-performing teams, and we were planning on getting into this idea of really building a high-performing L&D team, connecting it to the strategy, you know, the company strategy, and of course, your HR 
or talent strategy. So tell me a little bit more about your approach to building a high-performing L&D team. Sure. I think the first part of the approach was was creating and testing the strategy that we came up with. So our strategy is that we have in-person workshops. We have those five. And we believe that blended learning um, or, or really learning certain types of it need to be in-person. So doing really, you know, deep work with somebody about their mindsets and having them be vulnerable and get into, you know, a group with another person and or bring their own former bad conversations and be able to to talk about those, that's in-person work. So we built those five workshops. Then we said, um, we also need to get into people's teams. You know, you can come to us at our corporate headquarters and have this experience, but we need to come to you. You know, the leader maybe comes to us, but then we want to go to his or her team and bring that content according to what they feel like they, they need right now, what would be most beneficial to them. So we, we cater it according to where the team's at. And then we said, we also need um, a coaching practice. And a couple of us in L&D are certified coaches. And so we created a targeted coaching practice. So we, we kind of went after some people and then we got quite a few volunteers uh, that wanted, wanted to receive coaching. Um, but we offer coaching, again, based on our, you know, kind of our foundation of content. We offer coaching to, you know, all of our market directors, all of our leaders, really. And then, you know, our, our high performing and, and driven individual contributors as well. And then the final part of that strategy is we work hand in hand with, with HR. So we're, we're completely aligned with HR and we consult each other on organizational development. We have a different skill set and um, we really help each other furthering the organization. A, a really simple and good example of that is, you know, obviously in workshops and, and coaching and intact teams, I get so much exposure to people. And so I can help our business and HR, you know, understand what's, what's going on for people and where they need to develop and, you know, how we can push them into the, into the next position, what they're looking for. All of those kinds of, you know, really personal things that I can discover through just being around people with, of course, the caveat of coaching is confidential. So yeah. there's a line in the sand, right? But just providing that to the org. And then, of course, we in L&D, we have a lot of organizational development expertise. And when we partner with HR and really sit at the table with HR and the business, we can help a lot in that space. So there's a four-part strategy workshops, intact team development, coaching, and organizational development. And this year, we're pivoting and adding a fifth, which is uh, that we're, we're going into the learning experience platform space. And so we are, to your point, um, going to start offering blended learning, especially in sales enablement training, because it moves so fast um, that we have to find a way yeah, to do this online and have it be really um, effective. So getting the whole L&D team lined up behind that strategy and understanding their, their impact and their focus was so key to that team buying in and, and becoming engaged. It was easy. <laughs> we were doing it together. But, you know, feeling yeah. them really feeling how much they could serve um, their peers and the organization, the impact that they could have every day. It's, it's 
wonderful to work in that kind of environment. Yeah. I have so many questions about all the things you mentioned, but I want to get back to the core of this, which is on building that high performing L and D team. And you mentioned that, you know, everyone is coming together to take this approach, this blended approach and the, the different steps, you know, the workshops, intact team coaching, et cetera. And then they're all aligned on this. Were there steps you took within the team to make sure that everybody got aligned in the beginning? Because, you know, it's easy for the boss, whoever it is, to come and say, hey, this is our mission, let's go do it. Yeah. But that doesn't always work if you don't really sit down and take the time to understand everybody's perspectives, where are people coming from, what are their values, what are their motives, and then how do you get them all working together as a team? So was there anything else that you did there as an L&D team to make sure everybody was performing, you know, going in the same direction? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot there. <laughs> so, um, well, I think first of all, it's it's just a deep respect for people and their strengths. So one of our philosophies in our L&D work is that people have a set of strengths and we all operate at our best when we're offering up our strengths. Uh, and so using the Gallup Strengths Finder and discovering what everyone's strengths are and then finding every single possible way to give them the work that they're already strong in. So I always use this example, like I love strategy. It's my top strength, you know, blah, blah, strategy. But uh, one of the people on my team, Courtney Reynolds, she has a strength in communication. I don't have any strength in communication. (laughs) So I might write the strategy, but she is absolutely going to be the one who, you know, markets it and figures out what people um, will connect with and, you know, what's really going on in the organization and how to communicate really effectively. So that's one thing. Um, I think the other is building trust. And this is the foundation of building a high-performing team. It's it's something that um, all of our leaders are are learning and doing. How do you build trust from from the get-go with your team? You know, when I say it, it's so obvious. Everyone knows this stuff, but I think it's it's connecting with people, learning about them. Uh, Harvard Business Review just came out with a, an article talking about how you know a lot of trust is just remembering and asking about you know how's Steve, how's how's your baby, you know what's going on, you know you <laughs> you wrecked your car last week, <laughs> you know what are you doing with that? I mean, it sounds kind of trite, but I think when we slow down enough to know people. And to build a, a work friendship, it builds trust. And then, of course, there's being open and inclusive, you know, being non-prejudiced and non-biased and making that really evident, doing what you say you're going to do, having that really high ratio there. Um, and I think knowing what you're doing or saying when you don't, you know, like I, I don't have an answer here and, and I'm nervous about it and or I have, you know, I have some anxiety about this because I'm not sure what's going to happen. And what do you all think? What are your opinions? And finally, I think holding space for people. So I was just working with someone else from our team the other day and I said, you know, and she's brand new. And I said, you know, you can tell me what you're thinking that you're nervous to say and it won't go anywhere. You can say it to me and I'm going to help you process it and I'm not going to judge you for it and I'm not going to tell anybody else. Right. And and I think it's really important. Yeah, it's super important at work that, that people can feel safe. And, you know, I always joke and tell people, okay, if you're embezzling from the company or you're, you know, you're a risk, you know, <laughs> to yourself, you know, I'm going to say something. But we have this container and, and this conversation is never leaving this container. And, and I think that's how L&D has built a lot of trust in the organization. People know that they can talk to us. 
and in L and D, we know that we can we can talk to each other about what we're scared of or you know have anxiety around and. And that's okay. And we can say we're scared. We can say we have anxiety and <laughs> it's safe to do that. And then finally, I think the other sort of thing that we all know about is change management. And so building buy-in from the beginning, you know, bringing people together to just talk about what's the future state and where are we today and what are we trying to create and building, you know, just getting, bringing out everyone's opinions. And these things are, uh, they're easy when you talk about them, but you actually have to structure each one of your stats and offsite. I think you have to have the end game or at least the, you know, six months out in mind and then build back from there. I think there's time and, and structure that, you know, as the leader that you put in place. So you do create, you do build that, that, but then the conversation that happens within that agenda is completely, you know, open. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff. Now you just said that you don't have a strength of communication and you just laid out an entire plan for uh, building rapport, trust, and psychological safety on your team. It's pretty impressive. I'd say you're, you're pretty good at communication. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those things are so important. You know, you talked about the communication and the trust and you said safety. I'm adding psychological safety because that yeah, thank is you. pretty popular these days. We'll talk about which is you know, giving people space to feel comfortable in talking about whatever they need to talk about, being vulnerable, as you mentioned, which is something that I hear a lot in like the personal development space, but not so much yet in the corporate world that, hey, we provide space and allow people to be vulnerable, recognizing that that is how we build rapport and how we build trust is when people feel comfortable you know, talking about whatever is bothering them, they're nervous in a situation, they're worried about failing with something and and they're able to then ask for help. And you also said that this is obvious. Everyone knows this stuff. I wrote it down. I don't think that's true. I think that, you know, you might take it for granted being in the world you're living in or being in the culture you're in where it seems very pervasive, but not a lot of people are aware of this or doing this. So I'm really glad that you're you're talking about it. Yeah, thank you. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place, how to continue your growth during remote working, and a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. You mentioned the trust and I want to go back to, you know, having those conversations and getting the team aligned and making space for that. So 
you've done all those things. You, you've kind of set that strategy. Um, you also talked about making sure that you are working with the HR team, which I really appreciated right. because you said you have sort of information coming to you, right? That you can help them with succession planning, other things they're doing. So are you purposely setting up workshops where you have some type of assessment uh, vehicle or coaching there where people can observe participants and be able to, you know, go back and communicate what they're seeing to help with the, all of those, those things on the, on the back end? Well, we do uh, 360s and 180s, and we also do interview-based 360s. So we, we, we built a 360 and 180 tool that we do in our intact teams. Um, so we don't just let it fly <laughs> because uh, we feel like people need to have a, a place to talk through it once they receive it back and get really good, good coaching. And then we do interview-based 360s where people send us oh, 10 names or so and, and we conduct in-person interviews and actually write up pretty lengthy report for them, lots and lots of quotes, you know, and then some interpretation, but mostly just straight quotes. And, and it's amazing, you know, what people see and how much usually agreements when they're not talking to each other, they're just talking to us. But um, we can find all these themes for people and, and help them build a development plan. Um, a lot of the assessment that happens is going on more at the, the leadership team levels. So wh- whatever, whichever team it is, our access to those people are, are helping us and vice versa, they're having access to us. So they can be telling us, this is where I'm at. This is where I want to go. I want to help with L&D. I want to grow myself in this way in this year. And so being able to take that back to their leader and our management team in NORAM can be so helpful, you know, as we do our strategic planning, as we, you know, look at the organization and figure out, okay, well, here's our strategy and here's the work, you know, who do we have in place? And I'm be like, oh, you know, Megan wants to work on change management. Let's give her this change management process because I know that she's interested in that practice and we've talked about it. And, you know, Megan, Monami, by the way, now has like four change management projects. <laughs> in addition to her job, but she wants to get into that. Um, and so that's a, an example of how we can, we really help bring people together with their strengths and what, what the organization needs and with the work and just serve people and, and help them get further into what they, they enjoy or, or love. Yeah, really empowering people to leverage their strengths and do more of what they enjoy and, and help them get into flow and really add value to the organization. Yeah. Um, one more question on all the, the things that you've been building there. So you mentioned these different development programs. You mentioned the, the power of bringing people together in person and why that's so important, especially at the higher levels um, when you want real learning to take place. I really appreciate you saying that as someone who feels passionate about that and who runs a lot of in-person workshops. And I know there's a lot of value to digital and virtual learning as well. And you being a software company, I'm sure you find ways to incorporate that. But as you're building those things out, are you using any partners for those? Or are you building everything in-house? Everybody does it differently. And I think a lot of people are always curious what others are doing. We've built in-house so far. In those couple of years, we've built the, the five workshops and then a lot of intact team content that's based on those. We share everything. So I think 
you know, software one again is, is a special place and that we, we have a culture of, of helping. So, you know, every time I build something, I send it to my team, I get their feedback actually and their help. And so we're, we're creating sort of a Microsoft Teams database of these workshops and this content that we, we deliver to teams. And, and it always changes a little bit, but it's been impactful for us to so far kind of home grow it. Of course, we use all the research and all of our experiences right. um, from the past. There's, yeah, just so much, so much good stuff available now. I was just reading um, Thanks for the Feedback recently. And yeah, yeah, the same authors of Masterful Conversations. I read it and I, I built a, an Intact Team workshop teaching people how to get really good at receiving feedback. And now that team is doing all the leaders on that team are doing the 360 and we're going to have an offsite about the 360. So there's a lot of content. And I think, you know, identifying the really good content is maybe the hardest part, right. um, but it's there. Um, and so once you have it, you can, yeah, you can pretty quickly turn it into something that's really valuable. That's cool. So you're reading these books and then turning them into programs. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. And the coaching, is that all being done in-house as well? Or do you use any partners for that? Yeah, I was a certified coach. Uh, again, thanks to Intuit for the for the training that I received there. So I was a certified coach. I've been practicing for quite a few years when I, when I started at Software One. And then um, my colleague, Courtney, just recently went to Harvard and got her coaching. So we have a, a couple of us that are practicing coaching throughout North America. Great. Well, let me switch gears here and ask you a few of my more standard questions. Okay. The first is, what has been your proudest moment or your proudest accomplishment in talent development so far? Well, it's really recent. You know, there's lots of helping other people and serving. I guess if, if you're asking about my proudest moment for me, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I was awarded the I can't even remember what we call it, actually, like the most influential woman or the woman at the in North America that's kind of helped other women the most or had a positive impact on women at the company. Um, we started a women in technology group a couple of years ago, um, and it's an inclusive network, men and women. And we've been inviting in speakers. We've been having um, sessions with our leadership, bringing research into the company to to help people understand um, really the broader being inclusive in general and what that means for enabling people's strengths. But there was something about getting that award that was just, it really touched my heart. That is so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, that's, it's always great to be recognized for any of our hard work or anything we do, but that's an award that says, hey, you have been influencing and helping others. You are a great role model and um, other people look up to you. And so that's why you got it, which obviously well-deserved. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I got to switch gears and ask the other side, which is what has been your biggest failure or mistake and what did you learn from it? <laughs> okay, that's that's really easy. <laughs> okay. There's <laughs> lots of mistakes. The most difficult thing for me in the last couple of years is, you know, I mentioned we are truly an international company. And I think that I continue to to work really hard to understand other cultures and how different we are culturally. And I always thought, oh, I'm American, you know, we have I mean, we're everyone. Like live here long enough and you'll find your people, you know, you'll make your friends. Everyone's here. Totally. But it's 
on an international stage, it really is different. Um, the management styles are different. You know, people's mindsets and beliefs are different. How they operate at work is really different. Telling a Swiss executive that you want him or her to be um, vulnerable and like really get down and get, let's expose your mindsets. And they're like, why? Right. You know, we're... <laughs> I'm good, you know, it's like, yeah. here's the strategy and here's how we're going to do it. So really deeply understanding that I'm not there yet and I have to receive coaching on it. I have to try really hard and, you know, to understand the communication differences and language and culture and all of these differences. I don't have it figured out yet. It's, yeah. it's hugely challenging and and really important because we're trying to take L&D Global. Um, and so, you know, in order to do that, I have to, I have to figure out how to best help and influence and receive from all of these other countries and cultures that are out there. Yeah, uh, that is a big one. So yeah, making not making those assumptions, uh, which we often might do about what will work and what the cultural differences might be or might not be. And I can tell you, you know, from experience, I've been very lucky to have the opportunity to facilitate client workshops all over the world across Europe and Asia and, and Latin America. And uh, I'm always fascinated by the cultural differences and try to adapt and, you know, shift a little bit so I can make sure that I'm coming across and still being effective, you know, maybe use less references to American football uh, wherever I go, right? <laughs> but I, I use that as an example, as a joke to remind people that there's a lot of colloquialism that we have in our language, you know, just yeah. terminology we use in day to day within our own countries that doesn't translate to other countries. And people are like, what are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Even going from the US to UK, I work with a lot of people from the UK and they say tons of things that I'm like, what are you talking about? That <laughs> doesn't make sense. And we speak the same language. Lucretia, are there any trends that you're following in talent development that you're tracking or think make a big impact soon on how we do our work? A lot of what's out there right now, I think first off is how do we get our arms around blended learning and do it really, really well? Uh, I don't think a lot of people have it figured out yet. We're trying to find them <laughs> since we're going into this uh, <laughs> this place this year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and in blended learning, how do we generate, how do we enable people to create super high quality, useful customer generated content or sorry, user generated content? How do we do stuff super fast that's relevant, that's in hand, literally in hand? you know, on the drive to, to your next client or whatever, it's, you know, it's truly just in time. It's hard. Uh, and, you know, for us, we have so much sales content and so much product content. And yeah. a lot of it's extremely complex. Um, and where, you know, all the lines get blurred between jobs and roles and the work that you do and what's the scope of what you need to know and what do you need to know now? So it's just a bear. Uh, and, you know, how do we use technology really effectively to teach all of that? You know, I'm thinking about all of that. And then I'm also thinking about, you know, how do we manage this change? And how do we make it not just another platform? You know, the old learning learning platforms were basically libraries. And you had your transcript there and you'd click to register. You know, and these new platforms are so much more dynamic and they mirror social media. And how do we get the uptake? You know, how do we... How do we brand it and market it and, 
and create such high quality stuff that, you know, people just can't imagine not using it. Right. Yeah. It's a big, <laughs> it's a big endeavor. You know, they don't roll their eyes and go, Oh, that's, it's this thing from HR that they want us to use. Right. It's like actually something they want to go to and they want to leverage and they, yeah, super relevant. It's part of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. And I mean, the blended learning thing, very popular. Many companies are doing it well. I, I work with clients on that as well and, and bringing in because I have so many different in-person workshops as well as a lot of digital solutions now that we're doing a lot more blended learning. And really, the key I'm finding lately is, is making it more of a journey, right? Like creating a journey for people where they can go to the classroom. They have um, those things to reinforce the learning afterwards. And you're doing some of that already, which you, which you talked about earlier and having the reinforcement, having the coaching all the things that go into it. So I'd say you're, it sounds like you're already making some good progress there. Do you have any, a book recommendation for us? What's a book that has made a big impact on you or that you often recommend to others? I love Patrick Lencioni's work. So the five dysfunctions of the team. I also follow kind of the EQ stuff. So I'm still a lover of, of Peter Senge, the fifth discipline. I think that's sort of the L&D Bible. And there's a facilitator's guide that goes along with that book. I've used that throughout my career. Um, and then, of course, I love, you know, difficult conversations and masterful conversations, you know, the Harvard Negotiation Project, all of, all of the work that they put out. So I'd recommend all of those. But my latest read is Thanks for the Feedback. And it's excellent. It's, it's about shifting feedback from I'm good at taking it to I'm good at seeking it out. Um, and I can actually... Yeah, role model, great service leadership, and I can improve myself and build trust along the way. Yes, I can tell you that uh, as much as I talk to people about the importance of getting feedback and that's how we improve seeking it out, it's, that's like next level stuff because it is difficult sometimes, even if you know it's going to help you um, to take that feedback, to be vulnerable and listen and not get defensive. Last question, Lucretia, for anyone listening who's looking for ways to accelerate their careers in talent development, what's one more piece of advice you would give to them? I think we've touched on it, which is surround yourself with good people and learn from them. You know, building up your, your board of people, finding um, people that you admire and making connections with them. I was told so many great anecdotes at Intuit that I always go back to, but uh, Jill actually told me, you know, I've never gone to anyone and said, I admire you and I want to learn from you. And, you know, can I have an hour of your time a month and had them say no. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So getting good at, at building relationships. Um, and then I think the other thing is in L&D, you know, we, we tend to serve others. We serve the organization. I think a big part of that is knowing the business. So becoming a better business person. Um, and the Brooks uh, Fisher at Intuit helped me with this. He's like, just start reading business stuff. So I got Barron's and I got Fortune and got The Economist. And I started really having a practice. And now I kind of can't do without them, you know, because I, I just formed this practice of, of reading a business journals and just becoming a lot more savvy about business in general. Yeah, I think we can all use taking a finance course. I still need to take mine. <laughs> yeah. uh, but understanding business in general, and then obviously whichever field you're, you're currently practicing in that particular business that you're working in um, is really important when you try and, and have the seat at the table that, that is so effective for L&D to have. Yeah, I agree 100% with those. And knowing the business, 
I can tell you as a consultant who's worked with lots of people from HR and talent development, if you take the time to understand how a business works and, and get your business acumen down and understand the strategy, you will stand out. You will absolutely stand out. Mm-hmm. People who don't take the time to do that, frankly, and you'll be seen, you have a better chance of being seen as more of a partner in the business. And right. uh, as someone who is big on building a network and learning from others, I'm all about surrounding myself with people that I can learn from and they can raise me up. So I really appreciate you mentioning that. And that is a big reason why I am actually organizing my own conference later this year for talent development because I want to give people an opportunity to come together to network and to learn from each other. And uh, I'll be announcing more information about that soon. People can go find out uh, about that at talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. And I'm really excited. And I'm really excited that I got a chance to have you on today, Lucretia. This was really... Fantastic. So much great experience, information, wisdom was shared. Uh, So thank you so much for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thank you too. It's been my pleasure. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.